again. I think this is Wednesday already. Or is this Tuesday? This is, I'm thinking it's the third night, so that's kind of like Wednesday, back in the day when we had Bible school. All right, see if we can get this to work. So last evening we were talking about, <clears throat> about finding a theme, and we were doing some engagement with the text itself. Uh, there's different terms that could be used for that. When I studied some, we called it a mechanical layout. In some ways, that sounds a little too mechanical to be studying. So I don't know what you want to call it, but we're digging into the text. We're engaging with the text in a sort of a format, a layout to help us think about how words interconnect and and uh, trying to find a theme. So we're going to do a little more of that tonight. Um, and if this thing keeps going, we're going to look at creating some charts. And maybe, I'm not a very good drawer, but sometimes it's fun to print it off and draw pictures and, and uh, engage with the text. You know, like I said last night, so often we're so ready to figure out what it means for me, rather than what is it. What does it actually say? What's it say here? So we want to do a little more of that tonight. And then I'd like to go into doing some more in-depth word studies. I think this is probably one of my favorite things to do in Bible study, just to do a deep word study and look at all the connected meanings and all the, I don't know, that's really interesting uh, another important piece of Bible study, so we're, we're studying inside the text itself, like in the context of this section that we're in, and then we're looking at um, words, and their meanings, and then we want to kind of step outside of the immediate text that we're studying and say, okay, what are other scriptures that speak into this and give us more of a broad understanding or a deeper understanding of the meaning? Of what it says, okay? Remember, we're trying to figure out what it says, not always uh, what it means for me. First of all, we want to understand what the scripture is saying. Uh, and then tomorrow night, we'll talk more about um, other ways of studying deeper. All right, so this is kind of where we left off last night. Uh, <clears throat> it was interesting when we were, we were uh, highlighting words one of the most popular was Jesus Christ, <laughs> and we kind of missed that one. Uh, and so I think uh, pretty early on, we, we see that Jesus Christ is right here at the beginning. Now, I want to look at that a little more in depth later. What, is, what do those two words mean, Jesus and Christ? Is Christ his last name or his middle name? Lord Jesus Christ, first, middle, last name. What is that? What is Christ anyway? But tonight... We also, last night we also highlighted some of the pronouns, the our and us. Um, we also noticed the hymns and the, the him and his and he. And so I would like to dig into that a little deeper. Maybe, maybe first of all, we start with what does it say about Jesus? So if Jesus Christ is the main part of like what we're like, the, 
I don't know, could you say the main theme? It's centering around Jesus. Uh, there's some, it, it's centering around Jesus, okay? That's, uh, that's, that's, that, that comes up again and again and again right here in these first few verses. It's about Jesus. And I think there's more than this yet. You know, like, what about Jesus is, is the next question. Uh, so let, let's just look at this. What, we look at this text. This is verses 1 to 6. Um, what, what do we learn about Jesus here? Okay, according. So what does that tell us about Jesus? It's always linked to Jesus. Okay, according, according is linked to, to Jesus. Jesus. Okay, word? According to mm-hmm. to. Okay, so here we have according as he. So that's what you're talking about, right? According as he hath chosen. Who's the he here, by the way? There's a he and a him in this line. Who's the he? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's a he and a him. According as he hath chosen us in him. Is that Jesus both? Is that he referring to Jesus both times? Okay. I would have thought maybe the first one is according as God hath chosen us in him in Jesus. I'm not sure. They could probably argue both ways there. Uh, what is it? What else? Okay, according. So there's something about. Uh, the, so we're talking about what does it say about Jesus, and and we're saying according, uh, according what? According in. There's the in him part, and I think that uh, is is something. So, um, in him. Like the chosen part is who? Who's chosen? So we are chosen, right? We are chosen, right? So that's, we can put that on our chart for, for the us, we, and our. We are chosen, okay? What, about, what else does it tell us about Jesus here? Okay, mm-hmm. Having, we are adopted uh, as children by Jesus Christ himself, okay? So that's also really, a, that's about us. We are adopted, which I guess means Jesus must have children, <laughs> and we are some of those, right? What comes from Jesus? Okay, what does it say here in the text that comes from Jesus? Okay, where, where do you see that here? Um, there's a couple specific things it says here that come from Jesus. Grace and peace. From God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Now I want to just take us back to the history we studied. Remember Caesar Augustus? He brought peace to Rome, right? That's why they loved him. He brought peace to Rome, and that's why they worshipped him. He brought peace. He stopped the civil wars. He brought the Pax Romana. Now, where, where, where do we get peace here? Not from Caesar, Right? Not from Augustus. Grace and peace from where? God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from Trump. It doesn't come from whatever, you know. It comes from Jesus. It comes from God. That's what it says here. It's beautiful. All right, what else do we get from Jesus? What else do we see about Jesus? 
Just observations, okay? Not, not things that we know about him, but like observations right here from this text. Blessings, okay? So we get spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So spiritual blessings come from being in that inward Aaron. In Christ, that's where the spiritual blessings come from. Mm -hmm. Anything else you see here? Chosen, okay. All right, let's go to the next one here. Let's, let's take this chart here that I put up there. The us, we, and our. What does it say about us, we, and our? Let's just make a list of things here. Um, Accepted. Holy. Holy. Let me just see if I can underline some of these. Accepted. Where's the holy one? Um, holy. Without blame. What else? Predestinated. Okay, where do you see that? Okay, we're, right now we're just in the first six verses, but yeah, okay, so inheritance, um, good. Verse three, blessed. We said chosen, holy, without blame. Uh, I think somebody already mentioned adoption. Do we have that here? Yeah, we have that here. We are blessed. We have a father, right? We have a father. Does it say that? Where there's, I think that comes up twice. Blessed be the God and Father. That's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I thought somewhere else it actually it, it mentioned Father as well in relation to us. God, our Father. There we go. All right. Is there anything else that we can... Us, we, and our. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are accepted. We are holy. We are without blame. We are predestinated. We are blessed. We have a Father. We are saints. We are saints. Faithful. Whoops, two T's there. My, my uh, list isn't long enough. Or my, uh, all right, so to the faithful in Christ Jesus, we have the saints right here. So all of these, I think, are talking about us, we, and our. Now, some of those aren't quite as direct in the beginning, um, but the Apostle Paul is talking to the saints, and that, I think, is part of who we are. Now, uh, I think that's... I love that, actually. I love that saints word, because sometimes we think we're sinners, uh, saved by grace, but we're actually saints who, when we sin, we're living out of accordance with who we are, like who we've actually been called out of that and to be saints, and so we're faithful. All right, so that's who we, that's who we are, and I think that's who we are in Christ, right? In Christ, um, 
All of those things are part of, part of us, part of who we are. What about he? What does it tell us about he and him? Chosen. So he, cho- he was the chooser. Right? He's the chooser. He hath chosen us. So we are chosen, but he was the, the one who chose us. Mm-hmm. Adopted. So he's the, I don't know, how do you say that, adopter? <laughs> he's the, I'm not very good English here. <clears throat> he's the, the, the father who adopts us into, mm-hmm. Where do you see that? Accepted in the beloved. Mm-hmm. Accepted, so he accepts us. He's the one who blesses us. Um, He hath chosen us. He what? All right, where are you at there? Okay. According to the good pleasure of his will. Uh huh. So that tells us that God actually has a will. There's certain things that he wants to happen. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, we can go a lot further with this. I, you know, I, I enjoy um, sort of trying to connect words. So, um, underlining, circling, connecting things. And we've done, we've done some of that here already. I should maybe see if I could pull up some of my other. This is a, some of my study just in the book of Ephesians. I'm just really engaging with the text and drawing things and writing things and connecting words and ideas and uh, as I do word studies and I write things on this paper, I know it looks a little, but it's really fun. It's really, it's, it really starts to come to life as you really, really engage with the text. That's what we want to be doing when we're studying. Okay, we're not just trying to figure out the meaning. We're just, we're trying to, to dig into what is there, what's actually there. All right. So, um, there's a... Uh, we could do a little more of that here. Uh, I think maybe we're going to keep going because uh, I'd like to get into some word studies here. There's, there's, there's a few words now I would like to start digging into uh, a little deeper. Um, and kind of a review from last night. I'm going to keep going here. So we said last night some of the most repeated words were Christ in the book of Ephesians. Unto all God, Lord Jesus, hath him according one spirit, grace, will. And we've noticed that Jesus comes up, Jesus Christ comes up a lot. So we better figure out what that is, what that's about, what Jesus. And I mean, if you combine those two, that's, you know, pretty far up there. Uh, I find the word all being uh, quite interesting in the book of Ephesians. Uh, There's one place that says all in all. 
Uh, and I think that the word all comes up quite often. It's the, like, like it says here, the, the third most popular, again, I may have missed some, but a very, very popular word, that, or a word that comes up again and again in this book. <clears throat> um, we see the word Lord, uh, and this word here, one, is another one that really interests me. Now, I put some others down here at the bottom, and uh, I, I think we'll, I put them there because I think when we read the first chapter of Ephesians, maybe some of the, the words we're going to get tripped up with are predestinated, <laughs> you know, because those are words that cause whatever controversy, and there's different opinions and whatever. Well, I think we've seen already that the first chapter of Ephesians isn't about predestination, okay? <laughs> It's not. It's about Jesus, all right? It's about Jesus. And uh, what about Jesus? That's the thing we need to figure out then. Uh, what about Jesus? Um, maybe we should just spend a little more time there. I should have, some of this stuff is too good to pass by. So let's do some of that. Uh, maybe just open your Bibles there and uh, let's, let's go on from, from verse 6 a little bit. So what, what do we see in verses 7 through 12 about Jesus? What is, and that's what I have here, or this is 7, 6, uh, it should say 7, I think, to maybe uh, 12, I'm not even sure. Yeah, it's 7 to 12, not 15. Um, <clears throat> so we ended our last section there in verse 6. It said that we are accepted in the beloved. Now, who's the beloved? What is that? Look at the next verse. Okay, it's, it's very important to actually look what's there because sometimes we, we get these ideas and we don't stop to say, okay, what, what is it? it? Like the verse actually tells us. The next verse tells us who's the beloved. Who's the beloved? Yeah, right? Why do you say it's Jesus? Because it says in whom we have redemption. So this beloved, we have redemption through him. Well, we know that's Jesus, right? So... So I think it, it, it clearly tells us here what, what that beloved is. So in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Grace comes up occasionally uh, in this chapter. Uh, I say occasionally, I think it's 12 times, not, not in this chapter, in this book. So what does it tell us about grace here? Okay, why do you say that? I don't know who said that. It's not cheap, okay, good. What does it tell us in the next two lines there that grace is? So, okay, think about this wherein word. This wherein word is actually really important because he just gets, he finishes a, a section, he says, according to the riches of his grace, wherein, Wearing what? What is grace? Okay, so he keeps he's continuing this thought about grace. Wherein, okay, what does grace do for us here? What is it? Wherein, what? What does grace give us here? Wisdom and prudence. Did you ever... That's interesting, isn't it? Don't we usually say grace is unmerited favor? 
Well, here it seems like grace is something related to wisdom and prudence, wherein it's through grace that he has abounded toward us in wisdom and prudence. I didn't dig into that real deep. Um, but what, what's next? In wisdom and prudence, he continues this thought, making known unto us something. Okay, so in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according, okay, what's the according? Forgiveness of sins according to his grace, right? So sin, forgiveness of sin comes through his grace. And in that, he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now, what's this? What's the mystery of his will? What's this mystery? There's something about grace going on here. There's sins being forgiven. There's a mystery. A what? Okay. Having made no, that's a very good, good observation. It's a known mystery. How do you, that's a oxymoron, right? How can you have a known mystery? Uh-huh. Go ahead. All right, what's, uh, what's the mystery? Mark says it says in the next paragraph what the mystery is. All right, so that, okay, this is the mystery, having, known, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Now, I think other places we're going to realize that the mystery has been hidden and is now being revealed to you, right? We read that in Scripture. So it's been hidden, but something's being opened up here. There's a mystery that was hidden before this, and the secret is being left out. <laughs> all right? And I think this is getting really exciting. Uh, we all, I, my, my, my children love mystery books, you know? Uh, they, they enjoy that a lot. So God is unveiling something here, a mystery of his will. Now that word will, we really should dig into that. Um, I think that's a very interesting word. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. I, I just love these first verses here because it's all about Jesus and him and he. It's all about him. Right? And, I, you know, we tend to think that the gospel is all about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us and him. That's the gospel. It's us and him. It's such an exciting, I don't know, it's beautiful, really. Um, it's the mystery of his will. Uh, which is his purpose in himself, it's always back to him. Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, him. It's, and there's this mystery that's being unveiled here. And I think this is getting us to what Ephesians is all about. It's not about predestination. It's not about, that's a little piece of it. It's actually not even about grace. I don't think so. Now, grace is... Very crucial to what's happening here. But what's the mystery? That in the dispensation 
of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. I think that is like the central theme of the book of Ephesians, as I've studied it. Uh, as, as you go on, you see that theme come up again and again. He's bringing it all together in one. He's bringing the Jew and the Gentile. Everything's coming together in Christ. Uh, here he says he's even bringing, uh, what does he say here? Both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Like heaven and earth are coming together in Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Think about this. Where did, where did heaven and earth meet for the Jewish people? Tabernacle, good. Mount Sinai, where else? Good. Okay, the cross, we would, we would think of that. Uh-huh. The Jews probably wouldn't have thought of that in this time. But yeah, the cross. Where did heaven and earth meet during this time when this was written for the Jewish people? Where did God meet his people? Yeah, in the temple, right? It was in that, that was the place of God's dwelling. That's where God met his people. That is where heaven and earth came together. That's where they, uh, both which are in heaven and on earth, even in him. So, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Now, we'll, we'll come to that again later Oh my, we, we probably should go there now because we're going to soon uh, run out of time. <laughs> this is so exciting. Uh, let's turn to chapter 2. I don't have this to draw up here, but chapter 2 is, <clears throat> it, it starts out with saying, you hath he quickened who were dead. And I want you to notice all the past tense here. You hath he quickened who were dead in sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in verse 3. Um, and he goes on and on, this is who you were. Uh, but, in verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, so it's coming together in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It comes up again and again. Then he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, for by grace. This happens through grace, okay? And I want to talk more about that. That's a beautiful word. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, okay, because of all of this, because of where you've been and what grace did to you, wherefore, think about this, remember this, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. You were Gentiles, you were outside the, you were outside the circle, right? That, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the, that, that word commonwealth is very interesting. 
Uh, what's a commonwealth? We live in the commonwealth of Pennsylvania, right? It's a very, I don't know, kind of political term, right? You are strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. Uh, you are the aliens, uh, like aliens. It's like, you know, illegal aliens. We talk about those people. That's who we were. We were, we were aliens from this commonwealth. And we didn't come in as illegal aliens. We actually were adopted into the, into the commonwealth, right? Um, commonwealth and strangers from the covenants of promise in verse 12, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, so you were that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. That one word, all right? It's in Christ. It's one in Christ. He's bringing it all together in Jesus. <laughs> Heaven and earth are coming together in him. All of it comes together right there, all right? Whether you're Jew or Gentile or or black or white or Asian or whatever you are. It all comes together right there in Jesus. And he goes on. Um, it's beautiful. He abolishes in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, for to make in himself of twain one new man. And it goes on. He keeps talking about this. But then I love what he does here at the bottom. He says, in whom all the building, no, verse 20, uh, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Okay, where does God meet his people? In the temple, right? In the holy of holies. That's where God meets his people. But now he's saying, all, all of you are now being built together for the place where God meets his people, where heaven and earth meet. This is now the place where heaven and earth come together, and it's all in Jesus. It all comes together in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also, now I love this part because I think he's talking directly to the church at Ephesus, in whom ye also are being builded together for a temple, a habitation of God through the Spirit. I don't know, I hope that gets makes you as excited as it does me. I mean, this is beautiful. Like, there was the Jews and there was the Gentiles. There was people in different groups. But in Christ, all of that gets broken down and he brings it all together in one. So that's what Ephesians is about. I think that's what Ephesians is about. It's about bringing everything together in one. Okay, I want to get to some word studies before my time runs out uh, because I think that gets even more, it gets really exciting. So I... Uh, we talked about some of these repeated words, and, and I think, notice again, notice here we have this word one, we have Christ, in Christ, um, here's some of the phrases, these are the most repeated phrases uh, in, in the book, or in the book of Ephesians. In Christ, is 14 times in chapter one. Okay, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I don't have it calculated properly. In Christ, Christ Jesus, in him, Christ, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about, yeah, that's good. Thank you. Um, I, sometimes I do searches and it might not catch everything. But So the, the book of Ephesians is about all of it coming together in Christ. Well, between me and you, everything we have to say, there's always more. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Good. Uh -huh. So, 
Um, well, if, if it's about Jesus, let's, let's dig a little deeper into I, I said earlier, I love doing word studies. I think it's one of the most uh, interesting things to do in uh, studying the scripture. So the word Jesus, let's think about the word Jesus. Um, and I'm going to uh, see if I can pull this up here. I'm trying to th- decide how I want to do this here. I think I'm going to try this one, see if this works. So you can see my, there we go, that might work. So I use um, a study Bible. Boy, now I can't even think of what it's called here. Olive Tree, Tree. there you go, thank you. I love this app. Uh, There's a lot of free tools on this app, but then there's also, uh, if you want to go deeper, you can buy more add-ons and more dictionaries and things like that. So when I want to study a word, this is what I do. I have the King James Version with the Strong's, and you can do this with the Strong's Concordance and get to some level, and then there's other dictionaries you can use as well. But let's, let's see what happens if we click on Jesus. So here it gives us the name, uh, the, the Greek name, and it tells us a little bit about the word. It says, of Hebrew origin, uh, the name of our Lord and two or three maybe other Israelites, Jesus, Joshua. Now, last night I brought this up, but um, Jesus and Joshua are the same name. Now, let's again think about what did Joshua do? He delivered God's people out of bondage. He took them into the promised land, right? I think there's a really neat uh, connection there. Um, So let's think a little more about that. I have Matthew 1, 21. We are told uh, there that you are to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, what did Joshua save his people from? From wandering in the wilderness, right? From being in bondage. I mean, Moses led them out. Joshua led them in, right? Uh, And so we see Jesus is called to do something very similar. Um, It is the oldest name containing the divine name Yahweh and means Yahweh is help. Yahweh is salvation. God is our salvation. So the the name Jesus means that God is salvation. Now I think, I wish we could dig into the word save. I just love that word. I think it's one of the most beautiful words in the scripture that we often uh, maybe lighten too much. Um, But there's can only do so much. Now, what about Christ? Is, is Christ his middle name or his last name? What does Christ mean? Good, the, the anointed one. All right, so let's look what this means. Uh, anointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ, basically, uh, if you follow the line, it's derived from Latin and Greek, and, and, and it basically is the same meaning as Messiah. Now, I want us to think a little bit about anointing. Um, I maybe gave you a clue there already, but who were the kinds of people in the old world who were anointed? Kings, right, who else? Priests, and I think sometimes prophets, all right? So we have 
Jesus Christ, Jesus anointed, Jesus Messiah. That's what the idea is anointing. Um, interestingly, in King Samuel, there's a passage in 1 Samuel 24, 6. And uh, the Septuagint, I think I mentioned this one other evening, was the Greek translation of the Old Testament during the time of Jesus. And there's a, there's a passage where it talks about King Saul and it calls him the Lord's anointed. But in the Septuagint, that would basically read the Christ of the Lord, the anointed of the Lord. So the, there's, a, there's a tie-in there between kingship and, 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 and this word Christ. Um, I think we could go, we could, I'd, I'd like, I always tend to talk too long and say too many things and don't get far enough. Uh, Matthew 1, turn to Matthew 1, 1. The first verse in the New Testament, it says it's the book of the generation of who? Jesus Christ, the son of who? Who? David, David the son of? Now, who is David? Do we know who David was? What was God's promise to David? That's important. Yeah, so God promised David that from your seed, there will always be someone reigning, like forever. Now, um, and here, if you're a Jewish person, you're reading this, you're making that connection. We have Jesus the anointed, right? He's the anointed king. He's the anointed one. And he's the son of David. And then he's the son of Abraham. That's quite a pedigree, right? Okay, so Jesus, Messiah, Jesus anointed. He is the King, really. I think that's the message that the Jewish people would have gotten in the, time of, in the time of Jesus. Now, again, remember, they're living in Rome. They know who the king is. They know who Augustus is. They know Augustus was gone uh, by the time Paul came along. But they know who the kings are. And here, Paul is saying, I'm not representing Caesar. <laughs> I'm representing Jesus the king. Jesus the king, right? Uh, and and, and uh, there's a lot in that. Um, basically, the meaning of Christ is someone who has been ceremonially, ceremonially anointed for an office. Uh, I think my time is running out. Um, I wish we could talk about the will of God. That's a very interesting word as well. Um, and I'll just show you a little more what I like to do with Scripture. So, Let's think about the will of God. Let's think about the word will, first of all. How do we use the word will in our language? Okay, so if somebody dies, we read the will. Okay, good. How else do we use the word will? I will do something, or maybe I'm planning to do something. Mm-hmm. How else do we use that word? Okay. Okay, somebody has a strong will. They, have, they, they know what they're going to, they know what they want, and it's going to be really hard to make them let go of it. They have strong preferences, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, God, maybe, I think Muslims often say God has willed it. God has willed that something would happen. So, there's different ways that the word will can be, can be used. 
I, I like to sometimes when I'm trying to understand how is a specific word being translated, uh, if, you, if you click here on where it says search for G2307, what it does here is it pulls up all the Greek words that, that the Greek, all of those Greek words in the New Testament. So notice here, the first one it pulled up is thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so you can start to see how is the word, this word, uh, thelema, translated in other places. And sometimes that can help add some depth and breadth and length to the discussion and to the understanding. And that wasn't enough. There's more there. So I guess I'll have to quit. Seven hundred seventy. I'm sorry, four hundred fifty. I don't know what I'm thinking. Four hundred fifty. Could you give us the lights back there? We can hardly see here. <laughs> Thank you. Deeper, deeper was one of our theme songs a number of years ago, and I don't really know when that was. But let's sing it tonight. Deeper, deeper. Deeper, deeper, in the love of Jesus, daily let me go.
Looks like our son spied us. Well, I think you know who we are. We're Marlon and Melissa. And uh, when Aaron asked if, I wanna, if we want to share our testimony, I was like, well, we just did recently uh, when we uh, became members here. But and I was about ready to say no, but then I felt like God prompted me a little bit to share uh, some of the experience of what I, what we, but mostly I would have went through uh, when my first wife passed away. And mainly <clears throat> the trip home from Florida, which was kind of instrumental in my life. But uh, yeah, so I told Chris he could go longer because I don't feel like I have that much to share, but he stopped going. But anyway. So. Yeah, and Marlon said, I'm just supposed to stand up here yeah. and just look adoringly up in his yeah. face, so we'll see what we can do. No, I have some things in the end, too, a few things. So, just for a kind of a title, uh, I would say it would be, When Faith is All You Have. And uh, it's actually almost 13, 13? All right, I was wrong, she corrected. It's almost 13 years to the day when she had her, her first heart attack, because Jeremiah was... Yeah, Jeremiah, yeah, it's almost exactly a day, probably. Uh, Jeremiah was two weeks old when she had a heart attack. That was the first time we realized that there was something wrong. And uh, she went from having a heart attack, I think within like 20, uh, 20 hours, uh, she had open heart surgery. So that was quite the shock. Here they found a tumor inside her heart. They said, well, it's probably benign, but we're going to get it tested. And six weeks later, we found out it was cancerous. And this started a nine-month journey that I would not wish on anyone, but I would not trade a moment of it. And uh, I'll get into some of that. One of the things that was uh, interesting is during that time, Job and Revelations became some of my favorite books of the Bible. Job mostly because of the interaction, and I'm just going to read that, uh, Job 1 Yes, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered thy servant Job? And there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and sheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does, God, does Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself. Put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And the reason that was such a blessing is because it felt like Everything was against me. But as I read that, I realized only what God allowed is against me. And that was, I took tremendous courage in that. And then Revelations also was, uh, it's, it became very special because uh, it, gave you, it kind of gave you an insight. Um, it's, it's a promise that we're all going to be together someday. And... Um, and in the end, Jesus is going to win. Uh, let's see. All right, so she had, yeah. The other thing that, to, to complicate the matter, we're going through, after her surgery, she actually did pretty good. And it was, 
We didn't know it was cancerous until six weeks later. But to complicate the matter, sometime in September, I couldn't remember the exact date, I had appendicitis. And it had, it was, it wasn't ruptured, it was leaking. It was leaking enough that when they took it out, I got very sick. And I was hoping I'd die. Uh, for about two weeks, I was really under the weather. What year? 13 years ago would make it 2010. Yeah. And uh, then after the, that was probably about October, CM began to get steadily worse to the point where one evening I th- she almost died at home. That was a little scary, but it was fascinating. Um, I know I shared this story before, but one thing that's interesting is you know, one thing that we wonder is how is it to die? You know, what about my work, my family, my children? One thing that was fascinating about this, in both situations where she had near-death experience and then came back, um, she said that Jesus, like she could see Jesus, and that's the only thing that mattered. Nothing else mattered. Uh, Her children disappeared. Uh, I didn't matter. Nothing in this world mattered. And that's amazing. Uh, Actually, I can't wait to be there, almost. (laughs) It's just amazing just to realize that it was only Jesus that matters. And if we could just, if I could just keep that in mind, that it's only Jesus that matters. Ever since I had known her, she always got sick in the wintertime. Actually, I skipped one part. After that incident at home, we're like, well, maybe there's one more thing we could do. I think we were on hospice at that time. And I think of uh, Alta, when you're sharing about the, uh, you being a hospice, that's a very special job. Hospitals have a very special place in my heart because they are very, all the hospitals have were very sweet people. So I can't imagine having that job. But it was, I think, I'm pretty sure we were at hospital at the time. But anyway, we, tried, we, were gonna, we decided we were going to try one more thing. So we went to Philly. And um, there they said that the only thing we can do is heart transplant. And the, um, she was emphatic she does not want heart transplant, but she said she'd do whatever God wants her to do. And, uh, but God made it very clear that heart transplant is off limits, so we said, no, we're not going to do it. But anyway, so she often got, she always got sick in the wintertime. So it's towards the end of December, we um, moved to Florida because she was starting to get sick again. It might be beginning of January. And um, that was started 10 weeks of, it was amazing, 10 weeks of just family time, and it was something we, yeah, I always treasure was those 10 weeks down there. Did you want to share now? No, okay. So then she ended up, she passed away in March, and this is really where I want to get to. So I found myself in a place where, like the title says, when faith is all you have. I remember right after she passed away, her parents and family were actually there, which was very unusual because we had... For two, we had left the Amish two years before this, and we had no connection with her parents and most of her family. And some of you know them, Sam and Rose is one of them. Uh, we had very little connection, but when Zander had her, her open heart surgery, it took down some walls and to the point where her parents and family actually came down to Florida, which was a miracle. I mean, it really was. Um, but I remember, remember Benuel... Uh, brother-in-law Benio came up to me and said, I don't know how you're going through this. You have something I don't have. I said, yeah, all I have is faith. Uh, anyway, so I had, I had bought 
I'm still thinking that possibly God's going to heal her because we were trying to, is God going to heal her? You have this, you know how it goes. (laughs) You want her to be healed, but you you don't want to live in pain. It's this weird paradox you got going on in your mind. But I had decided I'm going to buy a van because we were thinking about heading back to PA and I wanted her to be able to lay down and come back. So I would just buy a conversion van down there. And I had... uh, it was a little bit older one. I had the mechanic look it over, and he said, well, it needs a water pump. Okay, well, I'll get that scheduled. I had it scheduled for a week, and then she died within that time. So I never changed the water pump, and we had a trailer that I had actually rented my bro- or taken my brother's trailer down, and I didn't realize that uh, tires dry rotted. So it was sitting there for 10 weeks in the, in the Florida sun, and uh, she died in the evening... And what was it, about 2 o'clock? I think it was around 2 o'clock. We, she was actually with us. Around 2 o'clock, we headed out. And we, were, we had just left Sarasota probably about two hours. I mean, at 4 o'clock. And we, tired, we blew a tire. Well, I th- we had a spare with us, thankfully. But um, with the uh, axle was broke. Oh, no, no, the spring was broke. With the attachment that had the spring and the axle tied together, that was broke. And we're like, well, we need some help. So where it happened, right across the road was a big sign that said trailer repair. I thought, well, this is great. So I quick called the number, and he's, he's like, well, no, we don't repair small trailers, but I see you over there. I'll come and help you. And I have a picture of him. He brought his jack over, and he jacked it up, and we put the spare on. And he told us of a place where we can go to get the part that we need to fix this thing. It needed to be welded. It was 4 o'clock in the evening. And we went to get home. So we went to that place. It's just off of 75 a little bit. I looked it up. I still have the phone number for that place. I looked it up, and uh, he said, yeah, here's the parts, but we don't do welding. But there's a guy in his backyard about three miles from here who does the welding. He might be able to help you. All right, so we drove over there, and sure enough, we backed in his backyard, and he, he started looking at this, and he said, well, we're... I can fix this, but there's a part here. I need a part. And they might still have it at the store, but they're almost closed. And would, who, uh, Mel and Barbie, I should actually share this. Mel and Barbie uh, from Charity, do you, anybody know them? Mel and Barbie, actually, they were driving. They were with us. My parents were with us. We were actually overloaded. It was Mel and Barbie, my parents, myself, her and Rhoda, which was the other maid, and our three children, so we were slightly overloaded. But Mel quick drove over to the, to, the, uh, to the trailer repair supply store, and he walked in there, and, and uh, Mel told him what he needed, and this guy just kind of looked at me and said, when you were here 30 minutes ago, if you would have asked for this part, I would have said, we don't have it. But since you left, I was moving some papers around, I came across this part. And it was a special order part. So I don't even think he charged for it. I couldn't remember, but I'm kind of thinking he didn't charge for it because I don't know where it came from. Here, take it. Well, I know where it came from. <laughs> so that was, and that came back, fixed the tire, or I mean, uh, fixed the, uh, <clears throat> the trailer. He welded it. <clears throat> and then we headed out. Uh, we were in, right in the border of South Carolina and North Carolina right around midnight, 
and we two blew another tire. We had two tires dry rotted. We should have changed them out. I didn't think about it. This is at midnight, and at this point, I'm thinking, you know what? There's not much value in that trailer. Let's just drop it and keep going. Well, I quick Googled uh, towing company at midnight. I called the guy, and he answered. And I, he's like, what do you need? I said, well, we blew a tire on our trailer. I was wondering if you could help us out. Oh, yeah, are you in a van in a trailer? And I was like, yeah. Well, I see you. I'm just on the overpass here. <laughs> so it was just like, this is unreal. <clears throat> 15 minutes, he had to go. He was going the other way. He had to come back around. Within 15 minutes, he was there. Uh, he went to Walmart, got two new tires for us, and jacked up the trailer with his truck, and we were heading off to PA. I'm still curious to this day if he was actually an angel. Uh, I think he actually was. But he had long hair and he had a long beard and he looked like a hippie. <laughs> but I still think he was an angel. <laughs> Either way, God's providence was definitely there. He was there. We had too many people at the right time, at the right, uh, right place at the right time. And in the middle of all this, remember, all I have at this point is just faith. I'm saying, God, how am I going to move on? But each time one of these things happened, it became clear and clearer, God will take care of me. And God will do that for all of us. God will take care of us. So as if I didn't have my total lesson learned yet, that he's going to take care of me, uh, we're coming up through D.C. This is now towards the morning. It is morning. And Mel missed the exit. Come, we're coming around D.C., has that circle, and he missed the exit. And he's like, Marlon, I'm sorry, I just missed the exit. And there God just very clearly laid this in my heart. Even when you make wrong turns, you'll always be able to get back on the right track. So that was a real blessing, just realizing that God will always be there. Then we finally got home. It was a long ride. I really felt bad for a couple people in, in the vehicle, but I'll, uh, let, I'm going to let Melissa share just a little bit. They were, I don't know if you know how a conversion van is, but they had this seat that folds, and they were sitting on that metal bar in the back <laughs> for 22 hours. Holding little children. Holding little children. All right. So, yeah, it was a long, a long trip home. Um, but I just want to share some things that I... Um, feel like God, well, just, yeah, watching Marlon and Sadie and being there as the maid of, in their house and being there, um, yeah, when, when she had a lot of sickness, when Marlon was sick, um, just some things that I feel like God just, sh just was a powerful testimony as um, just the surrender, surrender to God's will, surrender to um yeah, just giving everything up to God, especially in Sadie. I saw that, and it was just has stuck with me. Um, and then in Florida, um, as a young, yeah, 19-year-old girl, just being there, um, she was a good friend of mine, and just watching, um, watching the times when it, we thought that she was dying, and just, I don't know, it was just an incredible experience. Um, and it just, it showed me, like, she, she was living like she was going to die. Like, 
die tomorrow. She didn't know. Sometimes there was times when, you know, we didn't know if she was going to make it. And um, just seeing the way she lived, at the, and yeah, those last couple of weeks um, has just really stuck with me. And just, um, just always been something I thought about. And it's, you know, if we can just live, we don't know. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And to live each day in a way that, you know, we'd, it would be okay. Um, and also the, rea- the reality of death, that someday I'm going to die, and I'm going to be the one there. In, yeah. And just, just that reality, seeing someone um, that, yeah, someone close to you, um, just really hits you um, in a different way. And I feel like that is one thing that has really just stuck with me. Um, and a little bit about on the way home. Yes, it was a long ride. It was um, uncomfortable. But I think I think I was still I was just kind of shocked about shocked with everything that happened. I was just like in disbelief and just wondering like what is Marlon gonna do? Like he has these three little children. What is he gonna do? And um, as me and Rhoda were sitting in the back seat talking about it, we just we were just we we had been in the home a lot more than there'd been other people, but we were the main ones. And we knew the children, we knew um, kind of how things worked and were, yeah, run. Um, and we were just talking about and realized, you know what, we are the ones that need to help. We are the ones that need to, yeah, be there. And so, um, yeah, we offered ourselves, I guess. <laughs> And never, never dreamed that, never, ever dreamed that, yeah, it would be his wife someday. So, um, yeah, just an interesting, very interesting journey. Um, how long do we have? Uh, like 15 minutes. Well, 15. Another five minutes. Okay. Um, just one, inter- one interesting fact. I don't know if I should call it interesting, but it's just fascinating. fascinating. Okay. So, um... I had went down with Marlon and Sadie to Florida when she was sick. I was there. I flew down yeah, with Sadie, Jeremiah. And um, I was there for about four weeks. It was around four weeks. And then Sadie was doing better, and they didn't feel like they needed me anymore, so I went home. Um, but while I was there, I had my 19th birthday. Um, they took me out for my birthday. <laughs> Well, I also had my 20th birthday in Florida, but it was on our honeymoon. <laughs> um, so, thing. yeah, that was interesting. And then I also had my 21st birthday in Florida because we went down then the next year as a family. Just High to, maintenance. <laughs> no. So, yeah, just a um, fascinating thing. Um, yeah, the last thing is just I, some verses that I had been thinking about that, yeah, just in the last couple of weeks. Psalms 92, verse 1 and 2. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praise to thy name, O thou most high, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Verse 4. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. And I think that's all I have to say. So I'll just sum it up. Um, when faith is all you have, it's actually more than you need. 